Retirement is a unique journey for each of us. The thought that there is a one-size-fits-all solution is a myth. But what if we told you there are certain universal retirement truths that can guide every retiree? Matt and I are going to talk about that this week here on Mondays with Matt. Welcome to Mondays with Matt with Matt Starkey. Start each week fresh with sound financial advice. Grab your coffee and maybe a pen. It's time to kick off your week with Matt. Back for part two here on Mondays with Matt with Matt Starkey as we're talking about universal retirement truths. As we mentioned before, you know, every journey is unique to each individual person, but there are still these universalisms that affect us all. Not sure if that's a word, but I like using it. So, you know, taxation, Social Security, income strategies, all that stuff still applies to every one of us. We need those things, but how it breaks down to the individual certainly is important. And so we're going to pick up our conversation for the second five of our 10 items we had on the universal retirement truce with Matt. And we're going to get uh, into six through 10 this go around. So if you, again, if you've got questions, need some help, reach out to Matt, get on his calendar, subscribe to the podcast, uh, have a conversation with him, whatever you need to do, find all that information, lots of resources at Great LakesRetirementSolutions.com. That's GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. Matt, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm great, Mark. It's October, and uh, I love this month for a number of reasons. One of them is, uh, you know, it's it's prime time fall. Um, secondly, it's, you know, my, my son's birthday is at the beginning of the month, and mine's at the end of the month. And then uh, also it's beginning of bow season where I'm a bow hunter. I like to hunt the wild deer that try to keep them off my car and <laughs> in <laughs> the woods. So keep them um, off my yeah, car. It's, it's fun time for that reason. Also, it's the start of the, the end of the year here, the last quarter of the year. So um, yeah. I like to watch investments and see how they do in, in the fourth quarter. It's so it's not always a guessing game, Some, but there's some positives uh, in the fourth quarter where companies get results on the profitability for the year and distribute some of those profits to the investors. And that's always a fun to see when in, in profitable years. Gotcha. So. Yep. Always, always working. You are, you're always doing something. Got a little, a little fun time, but always back to the numbers as well. So yeah. uh, well, let's, <laughs> well, let's get into our, our second five here, Matt, the second half of our conversation on universal retirement truths. We went one through five on the prior episode. Uh, you don't have to have listened to that one to listen to this one if you did not check it out, but it's certainly not a bad idea to go do so. So again, Check it out Mondays with Matt on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or find it at Matt's website, greatlakesretirementsolutions.com slash podcast. All right. Uh, number six, diversification is essential for risk management. Well, Matt, we're all going to have to deal with the fact that risk is part of the game, right? In investing and in, in doing anything, trying to grow our money. So how you're diversified clearly is essential, right? For every person, it's a needed thing that we need to do and everybody's going to be different. What you're comfortable with, with risk-wise and what I'm comfortable with could be completely different. Absolutely. This hits home very, you know, should hit home with all of you. Um, risk is definitely one of those things that we we want to manage in our investing experience. Um, uh, it's not wise for me to run out and on the golf course with my club in the air during a during a you know thunderstorm. Um, and it's not always wise to invest in the market not not knowing or not understanding what the heck you're doing. So diversification is essential for the management of the amount of risk that you're taking. I have three rules when it comes to investing. It's number one, own equities because they outperform, you know, fixed income and inflation and all that good stuff. The second rule is diversify the mix. So what does that mean? Well, that means like, um, let me lay it out like school. Um, you know, in school, you took 
seven different subjects throughout the day, right? It give you a well-rounded education. But how good would I be with my social or economics if I if I just had math as my only subject through school for all K through 12 years? I'd be a really good mathematician, but I wouldn't necessarily have a lot of grasp on, you know, biology and home economics and science and and all these different different things. So you want to run your portfolio kind of like you ran your education. You want to diversify it among different classes. That's like large company growth, small growth, uh, large value and small value, mid cap stocks. You might have some real estate and some gold and all those fun little categories as part of your mix, but don't put too much weight in one category. So we diversify so that we own a broad diversification or broad mix of assets. That'll get you um, because what each category performs like changes over the years, but that'll yeah. get you a good a good mix. And then putting in some fixed income takes a lot of that um, risk out, but it actually can can also increase our um, returns when we diversify the portfolio. Yeah, and we got to be you know truly diversified in the proper way, not just a way that a lot of us get confused about and think that if we have multiples of uh, a similar product that somehow we're diversified, often we wind up with the same thing. So you truly want to sit down with a financial professional and make sure that you do have a, a good broad diversification platform because when some things are up, other things are down, and that's, that's how you kind of stay ahead of some of the inflation issues that we talked about on yeah. the prior section. So- Yes, it is. And and you make a good point there. Just owning a lot of stuff doesn't mean you're diversified. Right, so exactly. we have an actual physical way we can measure um, the risk that's in your portfolio. And uh, so if you haven't had that done independently, come and see us. Um, it's an evidence-based diagnostic report that I run. And that shows me the categories that you're in. It shows you how much risk you're taking and for how much reward you should be receiving. And if those numbers don't line up, then it might be time for a change. Yep. And it could be Number seven could be part of the problem is that your emotions got in the way. It can be our <laughs> worst enemy. We know this as humans. We are not great many times with letting our emotions, uh, you know, having it be our best friend. Uh, some people are better at it than others. But when it comes to finance, a lot of times we just we get super worried. I mean, it's evident in the, in the most basic things in finance, Matt. You know, we all love a sale. We all love it when things are on sale. We're like, oh, this is 50% off. Let me go buy that. But when the stock market is 50% off, aka down 50%, people aren't really all that, all that interested in it, right? They want to sell and get out and they're terrified and so on and so forth. And understandably so. But, you know, depending on your situation, that could be their time to be buying while it's on sale. So it's, it's a tough animal. And usually that's emotions based. It is. And uh, emotions can. You know, sometimes we have this gut instinct, right? And and that is, uh, I think some of that's naturally there to protect you. But also at the same token, if you worry, if you have, if you have too much of that worry, then you can definitely affect your long-term returns. Um, moving in and out of the market, as we talked about timing last podcast, can be detrimental to your portfolio and emotions can truly be your worst enemy. I talked about an example, and if you didn't, I'm not going to mention it again, but go listen to my past episode where the where one spouse kept money in the market and the other one moved it out because of fear about um, an economic or a social event. And uh, because they moved, they ended up losing, and the other the other spouse who stayed invested won. So emotions can get the best of you. And I know there's sometimes a bleak outlook, whether it's political or social or economic. Don't panic and don't move your money because 
Dalbar does, they're an independent research company, does a study and they say that the average investor, when the market returns 10% over this 20 year time period, the average investor might get about four or 5%. Why? Because of their emotions. They move every three and a half to four years. For whatever reason, you get disgusted and you change your investment, you change your investment plan. And then you cut yourself off at the ankles. You're not going to, you're not going to get the returns you were hoping for because you continue to self-sabotage yep. because of emotions. Absolutely. And, uh, and and emotions can affect this next one as well, which is our buddy, Mr. Taxes, right? So number eight is tax implications and tax strategies and, you know, basically tax strategizing uh, certainly is going to matter. You know, the old saying is it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And it's certainly true here. It is. Folks, if you don't work with somebody who's forward thinking um, and thinking about the tax implications of uh, your financial decisions, you definitely need to give us a call. Every time somebody has a question about where should I take money from, I'm always thinking about taxes and how that's going to increase your income or potentially cause you to pay more tax, or maybe we should take it from a different vehicle, or maybe we should invest in a different vehicle where we can have favorability with our tax situation. Tax implications definitely matter. A good example is if we take taxable income out of our 401k for retirement and we're receiving Social Security and it pushes us over the threshold, it can cause us to pay tax on 50% of our Social Security benefits now become taxable where they weren't before. Mm -hmm. Or you could even pay up to 85% of your Social Security benefit could become taxable to you if you don't pull money from the right pots. So strategy matters, tax implications do matter. And the one thing we know can change is our tax bracket. So will they always be lower when we retired? Well, that was the thought years ago and and it turned out to be true, but we're in one of the lowest rate environments now. And this is going to sunset right around 2026. So we need to be forward thinking about taxes. Yeah, It does matter. So you book an appointment with us and let's discuss your tax situation. Yeah. And it's not just the, the immediate too, right? It's it's the immediate, it's the future uh, tax implications, 20 years into your retirement, and also your legacy portion of your tax implications as well, how you want to leave money from an efficiency standpoint to your heirs. So certainly a universal truth. We all know it, right? Death and taxes. I could have probably started with that one if we really wanted to, <laughs> but uh, let's go to number nine on our total list here, which is retirement does not mean complete complete disengagement from work. Matt, the new phrase, the new buzzword that's going around the last couple of years is work optional, right? So many people are like, they get to the point where it's retirement time, but you know, we're living better, we're living longer. And so you don't necessarily want to retire permanently. Maybe it's from the big gig, if you will, but you're still doing something else. It's a work optional lifestyle now. Yeah, this is true because when we think about work, um, you develop a lot of, in addition, I mean, unless you work alone, uh, and even if you work alone, I'm sure you in- integrate with people <laughs> at some point. We don't necessarily have to be fully disengaged from work in order to retire, but um, and I think a lot of people find great satisfaction that if they can con- still consult or um, volunteer or even some once in a while be engaged with uh, people that um, maybe they used to yeah. work with. I mean, or, think about all know, the, that's why you see groups of people getting together. Yeah. You know, retirees. To, think about to visit. all the, I mean, it keeps us healthy. keeps us thinking. Right. Right. Uh, keeps us mentally active and, and physically active. If we can do some kind of sport. Uh, I know um, the latest rave is all the pickleball, but um, just stuff like that. Uh, staying in touch with people maybe volunteering, you know, there's a lot of good reasons to do that. And maybe if you want to be work optional, um, some people 
still enjoy going to work and bringing home a paycheck, even though you may not need to. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it helps. It does help with longevity. It does help keep you active. And I think ultimately it's a good thing for us to continue oh, on yeah. to, and to a little, work or you know, to volunteer or to, just to stay active. Yeah. A little extra scratch never hurts, right? A little extra cash. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it could be you could be starting that that little uh, little business out of your garage that you always wanted to do. Right. It could be any number of things, but it doesn't mean just because, you, like I said, you retired. Let's say you retired from one of the big three or, you know, something like that. It doesn't mean that you uh, just sit on the front porch and wait to die. So it's become more and more. Uh, of a comfortable thing for people to say, yeah, I'm going to retire from the big job, but I'm going to do some other little things or whatever as well, even if it's not for the money, just simply for the interaction. But, you know, a little extra dough doesn't hurt either. So there you go. So that's number nine. Final one, the 10th one here, Matt, on our Universal Truths is estate planning is not just for the Rockefellers. It's gotten more and more common. Like I, I think even 20 years ago, if someone said, yeah, I just got back from seeing my financial advisor. The other person might go, oh, wow, you must be loaded. You've got a financial advisor, right? You know, I've got a guy or I've got a gal, right? Something like that. And that's not the case anymore. And the same thing is starting to happen with estate planning. You know, maybe having a trust or something like that. You don't have to be mega wealthy to have one of these things. As a matter of fact, it actually might be a useful tool for many people. Absolutely. Um, I agree 100%. Uh, estate planning is not uh, doesn't have to be one of these big foreign terms that uh, you really don't need to worry about. I like to think of it as if you turn 18 in Michigan, you know, your age of majority, you could use an estate plan. Um, here's an example. Uh, some friends of our family, their their son was in college and uh, he he had gone to a party. They were on their way back. The group of them got jumped and uh, he ended up in the hospital. Mm. Mom and dad, of course, didn't know where he was. They were uh, alerted to the fact that they couldn't couldn't find out. They called hospitals. Of course, there's no HIPAA release, so they couldn't disclose whether or not the son was there. They had to make a trip down about three and a half hours away and um, really began to be frantic. Well, a durable power of attorney in this situation with a HIPAA release for that college student would have made a huge difference because then in the financial institution can disclose Hey, your son is here. You know, he's in the hospital. He's being cared for, blah, 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 blah. So even if you're a college student, you should have some type of document, legal documents in place for your well-being. Number one, you need a durable power of attorney. That's not to take out the trash if I get sick or I can't do it, but uh, <laughs> that allows somebody else to act as you for your legal affairs. There's a medical power of attorney that they can make the medical decisions to pull the plug or to give you life-saving treatment if that's required. Then you have HIPAA release because... We all know about the HIPAA laws and the lawsuits that arise if you leak anybody's personal medical information. And then also, you know, if you want to avoid probate entirely, we want to make sure that you have a maybe potentially a living trust and that your beneficiaries are checked on all your accounts. So estate planning, it shouldn't be one of these foreign terms to you. You should be very familiar. If you're alive and breathing and over the age of 18, you need to have an estate plan. They're not super expensive to administer, folks. Um, there are economical ways to do it, but just make sure that you put it on your list this year, get an estate plan. Yep. If you have questions about it, we can guide you. We can send you to some referral attorneys in your area, or, you know, even you can go online and get that stuff done. Even it's, it's super simple. I don't always recommend that for everybody because everybody's situation is different, but um, getting something in place is super duper important. You're going to save your family, the potential um, time locked up assets if something happens to you or, you know, in probate court and the expenses of hiring an attorney, 
getting on the docket a couple weeks down the road from when you try to. And, uh, you know, if you got somebody that's, that's in the hospital and can't manage for themselves, yeah, you got to go through a long burdensome process and expensive process. It's so just it's much way, cheaper, yeah. much more efficient to get that estate plan done now. Yeah. It's way more messy. Than healthy it, and you can think about it. Yeah. It's way more messy than it needs to be. Right. So definitely getting it done and getting it handled ahead of time, uh, can just stave things off for your family and your heirs after you're gone. So those are 10 universal retirement truths. They're going to apply to all of us at some point in some way. So get ahead of them by having a good strategy in place. And of course, that's what Matt does day in and day out. Been helping families for many years get to and through retirement. So if you need some help, as always, again, reach out to him, talk with a qualified professional before you take any action on something you hear on our show or any other and uh, Matt, of course, is a investment advisor representative and the president and owner at Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. Find him online at GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. That's GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. And don't forget to hit the uh, subscribe button on Apple, Google, or Spotify for Mondays with Matt. Matt, my friend, thanks for hanging out, bud. Yeah, thank you, Mark, for going over these 10 universal truths with us over the last couple of weeks. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you. We do want you to share this, so go ahead and... Uh, Text it or uh, email it to your friends, family, and let them know that uh, you are getting some good sound financial planning advice. And they can too, just by subscribing. There's no cost. And uh, if you want to come and book an appointment with us too, we'd be happy to look at your situation. Absolutely. There you go. So we'll see you next time here on Mondays with Matt. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.